Welcome back to Current Affairs, our show about the stories of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now or right this year. (laughs) These shorter, more contemporary stories come out on Fridays, while our extensive, nearly two-hour deep dive episodes come out every Wednesday. Last week, we kicked off a two-week end-of-the-year current affairs retrospective with an episode about the five biggest resolutions of the year. This episode, though, is something altogether different. Welcome to the first annual, though certainly not last, Love Murder Current Affairs Walk of Shame. In this episode, we will look back at some of the most memorable cases, awarding them with some fairly dubious distinctions, such as worst motive, most wildly brazen liar, and most infuriating. We start off with a category called Worst Second Career After Being a Failed Art Fraudster. Yes, of course, we are talking about Brian Walsh. The disappearance and suspected murder of Anna Walsh kicked off the year in terrible fashion back in January. The mom and real estate executive was last seen on January 1st and was reported missing on January 4th. A massive manhunt in Cohasset, Massachusetts followed, but was cut short when on January 8th, Anna's husband, Brian, was arrested. Brian had lied to authorities about his whereabouts following Anna's disappearance. When he said he had been grocery shopping, he was actually buying tarps and cleaning supplies at Home Depot. Not sus, even a little bit. When police searched the Walsh residence, they found evidence like, you know, a bloody knife. Even more damning was Brian's search history, which included queries like how to dispose of a body of a 115-pound woman. We actually could have named this category most effed up Google searches, although there were some other cases that could have given it a run for its money. That's true. (laughs) Brian, it turns out, was also no stranger to the criminal justice system. At the time of his wife's disappearance, he was technically on house arrest awaiting sentencing in connection with art fraud around a stolen Andy Warhol painting, as well as the fleecing of his father's estate after his death. Real classy. At this point, things are not looking good for Walsh. His attorney, Tracy Miner, recently filed a petition to withdraw from the case, presumed due to Walsh not being able to pay for a private lawyer. He has now been approved a court-appointed attorney. That is one case that I think we will be following up on with Bob from Defense Diaries, or at least we have talked about doing something like that. So I'm looking forward to that. So next up is our... Most infuriating case, but to be honest, most infuriating could rightly be applied to any of these. (laughs) They're all infuriating. It is one category that is totally and truly cross-cutting. However, it's hard to get more infuriating than the case of former YouTube star Ruby Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. The two were arrested at the end of August on suspicion of child abuse. On August 30th, a household in Utah heard a knock on the door and found an emaciated and malnourished boy of 12 begging for them to call the police. He had pieces of duct tape on his wrists and ankles and had escaped from a nearby home through a window. He said, though, that his sister was still in the home. The boy was one of Ruby Frankie's sons, and the house that he escaped from was Jody Hildebrandt's. Ruby Frankie was no stranger to controversy around her harsh parenting methods. In fact, she had made a following due to it on her YouTube channel. But it seemed like things got even more extreme after she met and started working with Hildebrandt. As we learned soon after the arrest, there had been numerous attempts at intervention from neighbors and older family members, but to no avail. As of this recording, Frankie has now pleaded guilty to four charges of child abuse. She will be sentenced in February for the crimes. 
which each come with a 1 to 15-year sentence to be served consecutively. As part of her plea agreement, she shared more graphic details of the abuse, which we will not get too deep into here, but which included agonizing physical labor with inadequate water, being tied up for days on end, being denied food, and more garden variety violence, including kicking and smothering. As part of her plea deal, Frankie will also testify against Hildebrandt, who Frankie claimed influenced her to have a distorted sense of morality. Here's hoping for a very, very, very long prison sentence for this monster. Now let's turn to the Walk of Shame Award for the most egregious playing the victim. Corey Richens, poor Corey Richens. Oh, just poor thing. After her husband died from a fentanyl overdose, the mother summoned all of her courage and resilience and channeled her grief into a children's book to help young boys and girls cope with the loss of their father. She was even doing a media tour to promote the book and help more children who had suffered such great loss. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, just such a giving individual. Psych! Turns out, according to the authorities, Corey really set up her own story by straight up poisoning the husband she claimed had died accidentally and therefore taking away her children's father as she pretended to soothe them. The case was basically a tale as old as time. Once happy marriage, they got a little rocky because of disagreements about money. One partner finally taking a big, hard, but important step towards divorce. The other ruthlessly and quietly stealing money from the family's small business while taking out numerous life insurance <laughs> policies on their partner while texting with drug dealers to get large doses of fentanyl. Wait, okay. That last part is not all that common. But it was sadly what happened in this case. This one is destined to be even more of a media sensation than it already was. Just look at the coverage around a quote bombshell letter that was found in her cell where she appeared to be instructing her brother to lie for her. In a year of egregious crimes, the whole story surrounding Corey is egregious. She is capital D, diabolical, and I cannot wait to watch the Karma Fairy get her hands on her. Yes. Next up in the Walk of Shame, most sensational case. This has to go to the murder and dismemberment of Hong Kong socialite Abby Choi. Unfortunately, this case had everything that captures global attention. A young, beautiful, high-profile victim and fashionista, Abby Choi, an incredibly gruesome crime with a murder scene that looks straight out of a horror movie, a dramatic chase moment with one of the suspects almost getting away by boat, and a boatload of arrests. Seven, in fact, so far, including basically Abby's entire former set of in-laws. And saddest of all, the most classic and terrible motivation of all, money. After getting divorced from her husband and the father of her children, her former husband's family and parents continued to reside in an extremely posh apartment that Abby had paid for but put in her father-in-law's name to avoid high second property taxes. Suspicion is that the murder plot started to be formed when Abby wanted to take control of the residence back, a situation that apparently her former family could not abide. The case was tragic and was, throughout the year, in the truest sense of the word, a sensation. As we start to round the corner here, we have to give a walk of shame award for the worst attorney. <laughs> and this one clearly goes to Oklahoma lawyer Keegan Haros. Keegan seemed, by all accounts, to be a fighter for her clients. Problematically, she also seemed to be a fighter in other ways. In 2014, she had been charged with assault of her then-husband, 
Later, she was also arrested for assault and battery on a police officer. And yet, things would even get worse after Keegan met and began representing Barry Titus. Titus was facing drug and firearm charges as well as domestic assault and battery charges. Somehow, Keegan and Barry fell in love and decided to, together, kill Barry's ex-girlfriend, Tiffany Icor, before she could testify against him around the battery charges. Even worse than just murdering Tiffany, the pathetic Bonnie and Clyde wannabe duo of Keegan and Barry killed her parents as well. Tiffany had been staying with them around 3 in the morning on September 6, 2019, when the two killers gunned down first Tiffany's father, Jack, then Tiffany, and then went and found her mother trying to hide and killed her as well. Truly horrifying and senseless in another case that we are hoping to see get tried and be resolved next year. Lastly, we have to end on a doozy. Our Walk of Shame Award for truly the worst motivation for murder ever. This is a rough one. This is a rough one. Imagine getting an email that would change your life. That's what happened to 51-year-old North Dakota resident Stephen Edward Riley. A lawyer of a distant relative emailed him saying that, due to some quirks in the family line, he would be inheriting a massive sum from a distant relative, $30 million to be exact. Stephen and his girlfriend, Ina Knoyer, were at first thrilled. But Ina soon got nervous that Stephen's new rich guy future plans did not include her. On September 3rd of this year, Stephen, Ina, and some other friends went to a nearby airport where they were supposed to meet the lawyer. The lawyer didn't make it, but at the airport, Stephen started to feel sick to his stomach. His friends tried to bring him to the hospital, but Ina insisted it was just heat stroke and she wanted to bring him home. The next morning when those friends went to check on Stephen, Ina said that he wasn't there and had gone to a local walk-in clinic. Problem was, they couldn't find him at any of those places or the ER either. Authorities finally showed up at the house where they found an unresponsive Stephen who would then unfortunately die the next day. Ina insisted that Stephen had just been suffering from heat stroke, claiming that he'd been drinking all day. An autopsy showed that no, no, he certainly had not been. That autopsy also showed a preponderance of antifreeze in the body. When asked how it may have gotten there, Ina suggested that Stephen might have smoked a cigarette that had fallen into antifreeze in the garage. She also wanted authorities to know, expert that she was, that heat stroke symptoms, quote, mimic poisoning, in case you guys didn't know. Well, the authorities were not buying it. They instead thought that Ina believed that if Stephen died, she would get half of the inheritance money from the email. Indeed, she told them that she believed she was entitled as Stephen's common-law wife. When those authorities told her that North Dakota had no, quote, common-law marriages, Ina apparently lost it. Now, of course, what you have probably already guessed is that there never was any $30 million. It was just some internet scam, a new Nigerian print story. And that, lovers, is why Ina Kenoyer wins the walk of shamey for the worst murder motivation of the year. Now, all murder motivations are bad. Yeah. But this one takes the cake for so many reasons. Well, that is going to be a wrap on 2023. It is my fervent wish that we do not have any of these cases to report in 2024. And I would love for humanity to surprise me. Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs. 